Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program. Oh, it's Monday. Is it Monday, James? It sure is. Feels like Monday. I check my phone. Why doesn't it feel like Monday? Yeah, I don't know. It feels like it. Yeah. And James says it is. Monday, Monday. Monday, Monday. No, 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 no songs. It's Monday. Songs are for Friday. We have music today. I know. James is on the board. Sean is just bored. Yes. What are you doing over there, Sean? Sean, you've been studying now. Let me ask you something. You've been in this radio biz for how long? Too long to count, actually. It's been decades? Yeah. Yeah. More than since two the, decades? Since the 80s, yeah. Well, you started when you were 12? No. Just kidding. That's I a wish. compliment. So I was throwing out a compliment. Man, you look so young. <laughs> yeah, right. But do you believe... <laughs> Tell my kids that. Do you believe it's better to be the rookie and your learning as a rookie is different than your learning right now as a veteran? A veteran in the field. I, I think it's different in as a rookie... I was I was like a sponge. I soaked up everything. Really? Yeah. That's good. Now I don't I, – I see things and I think, okay, yeah, I knew that. I knew now, that. Now, I knew that. You oh, can, but I didn't make know a that. Metaphor, make a metaphor. Rookie, you were a sponge. A sponge is to a rookie what a uh, – are you a brick now? What are you, a brick? No. Not so spongy. True. I don't absorb things, but I do I – do, I You're, still look at things. I still learn things. Yeah. So you need to finish your metaphor. Look it up. You got all show. Two hours. A blackboard. <laughs> like a blackboard. Mm-hmm. You're a blackboard. Yeah, because I can erase certain parts that I already know. Or forget. You wrote it. No, I don't forget them. Somebody could lean on it, your blackboard and smear it, and you would never know. Well, that's true, too. Maybe, Maybe you ought to use some technology white, that's A whiteboard with wet erase markers. <laughs> <laughs> okay. See, James, that's why I don't throw... That's why I don't throw you know stuff like that on Sean because he doesn't he can't make up the metaphor in the moment. See, I would have said a porous rock. See how that that's really good right there. A lava rock. Boom. A lava porous mm-hmm. rock. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, let me give you the answer, Sean. Okay. Um, it's better to be young to be a rookie. Why? You 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 learn differently than when you're a veteran. Don't you see it in James's eyes? Oh, James I think has so. the fire in his eyes. You and I. That's because he's in love. Kind of. Good point. By the way, we met <laughs> Malalovich. <laughs> She's a wonderful lady. She is. I She's, met. We met her. I She's met her. fantastic. Wow. She's, dude. <laughs> James. She's top notch. Yes, she is. A wow. plus, plus, plus. Wow. And you keep wondering, don't you? What is her deal? <laughs> I mean that in the best way possible. <laughs> but what is her deal? 
I mean, she knows you. She's a very charitable person. Oh, okay. That girl's got a huge heart. <laughs> no, Mother, James Mother is Teresa, is, is she related to <laughs> Yeah. She's a saint. She was wonderful. Yeah, she's fantastic. We had a little date night event, and James brought uh, Malanka, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Malanka, something like that. Malala, Molly. And did you get to meet her? Have you met her? I had met her before, yeah. Oh, you have? Yeah. Why haven't I met her? Because you were busy doing a show when she came. This, I mean, it just is funny. We talk about her on the show, and it's my show, and I never had met her until Yeah, you're the only Friday. person on the team who hadn't met her. Right. It's almost like you're afraid to let me meet her. Yeah, almost. Well, that's okay. I hadn't met your wife until last night. Oh, yeah. That was or fun. Or Saturday night. We need to get out more. Yeah. <laughs> um, Malanka is cute, smart as a whip. Yep. Very big heart. <laughs> An enormous, compassionate heart. She yeah. is definitely a giver. Did you ask her about the knives? I, by the way, missing two fingers. Oh, okay. <laughs> She's Malanka's missing two digits. She's I asked been her, using the knives. I asked her how old she was, and she tried to show me on her hands. I don't know why she wouldn't just tell me, but she's missing two fingers. <laughs> Looks like you're, what is that, three quarters? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like you're 18 and a half. <laughs> what is that? Um, she's wonderful. Wow. It just blew me away. Yeah. Were her parents there? No, they weren't able to make it. Okay. No, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, next time. That's great. No, by the way, so I, we were we were talking about how James is all you know fresh, what, mm-hmm, yeah. fresh eyed, Twitter bushy tail. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that means, but he's happy. <laughs> he's he's here to learn. And then you and I are just kind of you know anemic. That's true. <laughs> it's like we just need I don't know some type of transfusion. Mm-hmm. But I think it makes him a better learner than you and I. Is it a better learner or just needs to learn more? I don't know. I'd say better learner. Better learner. Definitely. Yeah. Of course he takes <laughs> credit. <laughs> That's just strange. But um, again, I think it's fantastic, A, that she's that compassionate and is and B, that, you know, you, you can always get fingers. That's true. Yeah. That's sad. That I mean, the, the two fresh finger losses. But great knives. Great knives. Sharp. Sharp Very knives. Very sharp. They're the... <laughs> Those are the sharpest knives. See, you, let me just switch you knives because the knives at our house, none of them are sharp. You know, they, they can sharpen them for you. Hmm. Tell me about that. There's a, it's a place around here. I'll, I'll show you. Yeah. Oh, that's all I need. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sharp <laughs> knives. Hmm. I've got kids cutting bagels. They, I, we, there would be like a massacre at the Townsend house if we sharpened our knives. Actually, you get hurt more from a dull knife than from a sharp that knife. That is true. Dull knives are more dangerous. That's right. Because you have to use more pressure when you use a dull knife. Yep. Interesting. Hey, these are the facts we're throwing at you right here at the Townsend Show. This the is, life you, lessons. I'm telling you, you don't get this from a lot of other radio shows. That's right. Top notch. So today on the show, we got a pro coming in. Liz Wiseman's joining us. She's written books all about your brains and your ability to to be smart. She wrote a book called Rookie Smarts. Which uh, is, in fact, I'm taking a test on it right now. Oh, you are? I'm trying to, but I'm up to question 13, and now I'm doing a radio show. Oh, sorry. How many questions are there? There's 20. Would you you like me to finish for you? I'll get to it during the break. Okay. But do this really quick. (laughs) 
we don't have a lot of time for headlines anymore. Um, That's true. Talk about you've done some research well, about what? I've got a really short story here talking about short. You know, rookie smarts. Yeah. Okay. How about this group of orphans and their caregiver? Yeah. Never before had they ever gone out fishing or done any sort of fishing of any kind. Yet they entered the Bisbee's Black and Blue Fishing Tournament in Cabo San Lucas, Mexico. Really? Yes. This orphanage. This group. They're going for the big money. Yeah. So this sounds like a plot the plot of a movie. It does, doesn't it? Like the bad news bears. It really does. Now well this fishing tournament was wondering if it was gonna succeed. It's been around for a number of years, but you had the Hurricane Odile come through. Yeah. And it you know kind of devastated the area a bit. And this is the area where they have this fishing tournament. The 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 orphanage. Mm -hmm. What what were we calling them? Oh they're they're from No, they're from Casa Hoger. Casa Holger. Uh-huh. Ho- Hogar? Hogar. H-O-G-G-A-R. Well, Casa is house. Yes. And Hogar is home. Okay. House home. House home. Sounds pleasant. Anyway, there was, there was an uh, anonymous donor who agreed to pay the entry fees of any teams that used a local boat in the tournament. Excellent. So the orphanage was able to use a local oh, boat. Oh, yeah. They got their entry fee paid. And guess what? They caught a 385-pound blue marlin and fish? won the competition. Whoa. On. Fish on. That's what you yell when you're deep sea fishing. What did they get awarded? Um, Cans. No. I'm just... <laughs> what did they get? $258,325. Wowzers. Uh-huh. Plus the tuna. Exactly. That tuna well, could feed you. For, oh, it was a marlin. A marlin. Mm-hmm. The marlin could feed you for a a month. 385 oh, yeah. pounds, I would think oh, so. Yeah. You got all these kids. Exactly. Wow. You but know, this th- is like... They're not, they're not splitting up the money between the whole teammates. They're giving the money back to the organization, the the Casa. Casa Hogar. Yeah. How so neat. They can... This reminds me of Dodgeball. A little bit. Yes. So they saved the gym. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they saved Casa Average Hogar. Joe's gym, yes. How cool is that? But it's that, awesome. You know, it might border on child labor laws. Uh, no, it's not. It, well, there's no work involved. It was a tournament. It's a game. That's what they always say, Sean. That's right. First, it's fishing. Mm-hmm. Then and it's clothes. stitching clothes for <laughs> a major brand. But I think it's That's wonderful. Cool. That's that way cool. Cabo San Lucas. First time they've ever fished, See, and they win a fishing and tournament. And they're all excited. And next time, it'll be different because yep. they'll be veterans. Mm-hmm. And then they'll just be like all the old, the old veteran you know, fishermen that you know, can't focus. See? So sometimes first-timers can make it. Rookie smarts, we call it. Yep. Rookie smarts en español, casa hogar. <laughs> if any of you are looking for a fishing expedition in Mexico, I'd call casa hogar. There you go. They Maybe know they have a doing. lucky boat. They have a lucky boat. And they have 12 lucky seamen that will go out with you and <laughs> help you get your fish. We're going to take a break, my friends. And when we come back, we're bringing in the big hitters. Uh, on the phone with us today, Liz Wiseman. And she's going to talk about her new book, Rookie Smarts, Why Learning Beats Knowing in the Game of Work. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody. To the Matt Townsend Show. Does it feel like the first time from Foreigner? I'm telling you, when you do something the first time, you're a rookie. You get in there, you remember it, you work it harder, you know what you're doing. Rookies have a different, you know, 
I don't know, aggressive learning style than us veterans. Sometimes rookies don't know any better, so they just go for it. Just eat it up, eat it up, eat it up. And then the problem is we all get so comfortable, we are no longer rookies, and that ends up being deadly in this fast-changing world. We live in a time when everything's changing. Everything's changing. My mom got a new phone. She got a new phone. She's okay. like, now, now I can text you. And oh. I'm like, <laughs> that is so funny. <laughs> because having a phone and texting are like two completely different issues. It's just typing. Yeah. It is. Now it's typing on a very small keyboard, I it's must say. It's typing on a keyboard where you can't feel the keys. True. And you can't see the keys. You can. On my phone, I can. So if anybody gets texted or receives a text from my mother, I'm sorry. It's supposed to be for you? It's probably for me. Just forward it to Matt Townsend. Hey, on the show today, Liz Wiseman is joining us. She teaches leadership to executives around the world. She is the president of the Wiseman Group, a leadership research and development firm headquartered in Silicon Valley, California. Hello. Uh, her clients include Apple, Dubai Bank, Genentech, Nike, PayPal, Salesforce.com, Twitter. You've heard them all. Liz has been listed on the uh, the Thinkers 50 ranking and named one of the top 10 leadership thinkers in the world. She's the author of the book Multipliers, How the Best Leaders Make Everyone Smarter, and the Wall Street Journal bestseller, and the Multiplier Effect, Tapping the Genius Inside of Our Schools. Today, by the way, we're talking about rookie smarts, why learning beats knowing in the new game of work. Liz Wiseman, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Matt, thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. It is awesome to have you. By the way, coolest thing in the world, you're a frequent lecturer at Harvard Naval Postgraduate School, Stanford, Yale, and by the way, BYU, hello. In fact, I was just there on Thursday and Friday teaching a couple classes. It was thrilling. Liz, Liz, you should have dropped by. (laughs) We would have hooked you up. We have water. We would have gotten you water. And maybe something, uh, the the mint brownies is what I was looking for when I was on campus. Yes, you got to go for the mint brownies while you're here, huh? Yeah, but it's fun. I love getting to be kind of a freelance professor. I get to I know. teach in a lot of corporations and a lot of universities, and there's nothing better than to come back to BYU. Well, and might I say, you do a great job. Um, you're putting out books like crazy. This new book, uh, How when did you release Rookie Smart? Uh, Mid-October. Yep. I like it already. Here's the deal. Is it true, then, that the rookies have an advantage that maybe some of us old veterans aren't using? Well, we find that there is an advantage when someone is doing something for the first time. And I should say that it's not about being young no. and versus old. It's about the way we think and the way we act when we're doing something important and hard and we're doing it for the very first time. There's a bit of a learner's advantage that kicks in, and we find that in our rookie state, yeah, again, one that's available to old, young, and in between, that they tend to outperform people with experience particularly in the knowledge industry. Really? And and I guess that's because is it, I mean, I always was afraid trying something new. So I guess I was more anxious. I'm more, I'm doing everything I can. What what is it? What's the difference? Well, I think it is exactly that. It is about um, anxiety and fear. You know, uh, someone said, uh, I think it was Richard Norton said, fear is the freaky troll, you know, (laughs) under the bridge that leads to achievement. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, there's something about the size of the gap when we face this big, important, hard thing. And we know that 
you know, all eyes are on us, or at least a few set of eyes yep. are on us. There's something about the size of the gap that puts us into this anxious state. And, you know, it was funny, after working on this for years, as I was looking at how we tend to think and act in the state, you know, what I call rookie smarts, and, and I was... Um, I was reading through the scriptures, and I stumbled for, you know, the nth time on this idea of being anxiously engaged. You know what? It's not far off that concept of we're anxious. Yeah. We know we need to prove ourselves. We know the gap is big. And that anxiety, it might might thwart some people. Yeah. It might cause them to hold back. But for the better part of, of people... It tends to push us forward. We become deeply engaged, and we scramble really fast up these learning curves. It's kind of like we're anxiously engaged yep. in a difficult cause. Well, isn't that interesting? I because it, it's easier. Like, and you've probably noticed this. So, you write a book. It would be easier for you to just go pitch one book for the next twenty years and do that one workshop and do that one thing and go jump like a monkey. Um, that would be easier, but I find uh, like even I, I like to create a new workshop about every quarter, and and um, and I just invite people to come see it. But what it does is it, I'm always at a heightened state, and what I get your guess you're teaching us is that heightened state is a state of I get of of increased learning. Is it is is that what's happening? It is. It, I love the term. It puts us in this heightened state. It's where we tend to do our best thinking and our best work because we're we're kicked out of our comfort zone, and yep. we can't default to what we know. And so it puts us in this zone of the unknown where we tend to um, pay attention. We pay attention the way, Matt, you know, you probably think, um, and everyone here could probably think about the first time they were um, traveling in a foreign country. Mm-hmm. For some, it was on a mission, some in their travels, and the heightened state of alerts that they operate in, paying yeah. attention to everything, noticing smells, everything. everything. Yeah, yeah. Smells, yeah. The people wondering, "Am I doing this right? Mm-hmm. Why? Why is no one paying attention to me when I stand at this counter trying to get a sandwich?" And, <laughs> and you realize you're doing it wrong. Um, and it's this heightened state of alert. We tend to ask questions. We we reach out to other experts. We we mobilize people. In some ways, we can't operate from our own capabilities. We are. We're turned to needing our colleagues, so we reach out to others, we collaborate, we bring in, we actually find that when we're new and inexperienced, we actually bring in five times more expertise to bear on a problem than we would with just our own expertise. Really? And it kind of, it it sort of not only brings fresh expertise, it binds us to each other. No, absolutely. Well, you're desperate. You're you're, desperate. you're afraid, and um, I, and I I see it too. I because I did. I lived abroad for two years, and it's interesting. You do. You pay attention to every word that's being said, and if you don't know the word, you go check it out and look it up, and you try to figure out how that was translated. Or, or anyway, I look at it and I think this has got to be a big problem because we're living in the information age. So if I'm getting kind of sloppy in my learning. In the information age, I may be roadkill on the information highway. We very much, maybe I looked at a, a number, you know, the first, kind of the first thing I did in the research is look at what is going on in the environment. And we all feel this, and we're all feeling like I might be roadkill or casualties, that, you know, the knowledge economy, it's, it's vast. We have more and more data coming at us, yeah. available to more and more people, so that actually holding expertise isn't the critical commodity. It's, it's access to that inf- information, which is now available widely. Um, technology 
is allowing our cycles to spin faster. Mm-hmm. The fact that your mom can reach you anywhere I know. on text that we can bring our work with us. So our cycles are spinning really, really fast, so fast that so many working professionals and just people out there living never face the same problem twice because our problems keep evolving. And, you know, innovation cycles are spinning fast so that, you know, everything, I mean, we're really living in this knowledge evolution where everything we know is being subject to revision. Mm -hmm. And I looked at um, particularly uh, science and technology fields, um, often called STEM the science, technology, engineering, and math-related fields, or fields that have a strong technology component to them yeah. or influence, that if we work in those industries, about 15% of what we know today is actually going to be relevant in five years. Holy cow. <laughs> Holy cow. And, and here's the <laughs> kicker. I mean, if that's not scary enough, we don't even know which 15% that is. Right. Oh, that yeah. is scary. That, I mean, that is you, – you just got a degree from MIT – and your your shelf life of your your information is five years. It's kind of five years, um, sort of plus or minus, with sort of a yeah, but still that's yeah. And you know that's one of the things I take very comforting is if you've been out in the workforce or just on this planet for a long time, you know we can take comfort in the fact that someone graduating out of MIT today, maybe at let's say twenty three years old, mm-hmm. they're becoming obsolete as fast as you are. Whew. <laughs> Isn't that? But they got I mean, nothing that, on you. I know that's right. I guess that's back to the reason we need your book, Rookie Smarts. We're going to take a break um, again. We're talking with Liz Wiseman, author extraordinaire. Really, if you've got to go look up her other books too. We're, today we're talking about Rookie Smarts: Why Learning Beats Knowing in the Game of Work. But she has a couple other books that I love: Multipliers, How the Best Leaders Make Everyone Smarter, and The Multiplier Effect: Tapping the Genius Inside Our Schools. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, continue this discussion about uh, the, the attributes of a rookie. What makes a good learner? What helps you stay smart? This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We're doing a little flashback to the 70s. The Eagles, Foreigner. Mm. You know why? Because today we're talking about the new kid in town. And it's not James. Or his 18 and a half, or eight and a half fingers girlfriend, Malanka. Today on the show, we're talking to Liz Wiseman. She is the author of the book, and you've got to go check it out. Go Just go to her website, The Wiseman Group. Uh, let me make sure I've got that right. TheWisemanGroup.com. Uh, Liz is an author, a, a trainer, a teacher. She's a consultant. She lives in Silicon Valley, California, and is the head of The Wiseman Group. Um, she works with clients like Apple and uh, PayPal, Salesforce, Twitter, teaching them about the power of of being a multiplier and how, how to make your leaders better learners and uh, multipliers so that they can create synergy, get more results together. She also is a frequent lecturer here at BYU and Harvard, Stanford, Yale. She's all over the place. Liz, welcome back to the show. Hey, 
Nice to be here, Matt. I was getting tired just listening to that. I know, wasn't that? It's exhausting. You're so you're so well known. By the way, I'm in the learning zone. You go to her website, rookiesmarts.com. That's the about the book we're talking about. Uh, Rookie Smarts: Why Learning Beats Knowing in the New Game of Work. And I took a little quiz, and I am in the learning zone. Well, you know it's fabulous, and you know what we find when people are operating in this rookie state, doing something hard and important for the very first time, it can be exhausting. Yeah, but. People say it's exhausting, but totally exhilarating. Oh, yeah. It's more energizing, isn't it? It really is. You know, I, I drive a all-electric car with regenerative braking. And if anyone has uh, driven one of these, you know that in the process of braking, it actually returns energy back into the system. Oh, wow. It sort of fuels the system and gives you more mileage on your battery. And, and I think hard work is the same way. It's somehow this grind, this kind of climb up a steep learning curve, doing something hard for the first time, that feels a little bit tiring, but totally exhilarating. It, it fuels us. And I think it's one of the reasons why we tend to do our very best work when we're doing something hard for the first time. And, and it's really something, it's the spirit of it, like, you're, like you were saying, it's not your age and it's not even where you are in the, in the, you know, the spectrum of your job. It's the spirit of being a rookie, right? Of, of coming at it as a new thinker, willing to learn, willing to enroll other people, willing to ask questions. Absolutely. And you know what we found is I was studying, and you know, the, the core of the research I did was I, uh, my research team and I, we looked at about 400 different work scenarios ranging from, you know, build a workshop like you, you mentioned just a few minutes ago, or paint a room. Mm-hmm. And what we, you know, we looked at how experienced people do that versus how inexperienced people. And so we looked at a lot of rookie situations. And what I found was so interesting is not just the people who operate with rookie smarts when they're doing something for the first time. It's those who maintain it. It's the, the people who, despite years of experience and, and mastery and, and success, they maintain their ability to approach their work as if they're doing it for the very first mm. time. Yeah. I call them perpetual rookies, and they have this incredible vibrancy in their career. This is like, because it's almost, if you don't, you're going to start getting into like comfort zone and then you're either going to burn out and be bored. But if you push too hard and everything's always new, you're going to burn out and be stressed. So it's almost yeah. like you're just trying to keep the needle right in this happy place. It really is. And, you know, you, you went and looked at that quiz, and it's why um, I designed it like a tachometer on yeah. the car. Because you don't want to be burnt out. You don't want to be low RPMs. But you want to go kind of right, right up to that red line where you are kind of fully engaged in a heightened state of alert you're you're kind of firing on all cylinders but you don't want to go past it where you're you kind of go into that bumbling clueless where <laughs> and we all know this feeling when we've got too many hard problems yep. going on at the same time you know i don't know about you matt but for me i'm pretty simple i can i'm ama- I, I am capable of doing amazingly hard things but only one at a time yeah right then you'll just explode yeah, otherwise you explode, and, yeah. and we take on something hard, we tackle it. Maybe the other things in our life are kind of on maintenance, and then we're ready for the next hard thing. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we just sort of implode, and we're beyond redline, and the engine sort of burns up, so to speak. But it really, you're saying that these are traits, these are these are attributes that we could be learning. Go through some of the rookie attributes. What are some of the things that you've found in your research about the most successful rookies? Yeah, we, we found that um, 
kind of the natural way people tend to work when they're doing something, again, hard and important, doing it for the first time. Um, the first is that they tend to be unencumbered. And, you know, in some ways, you know, we think of often newcomers and rookies as having these being bold, big thinkers, having fresh ideas. Actually, that's not really their advantage. Huh. Their advantage is they've got no ideas. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're a blank slate. They're it's a clean. blank slate. Yeah. And, and, you know, perhaps the, the boldest thing they do is, um, you know, that they, they just are willing to step out. They're willing to embark. And they're unencumbered by knowledge, by resources, by, by a track record. They don't even have a track record to iterate. So yeah. they sort of just boldly embark. I call this, they operate like backpackers. And, you know, for those of us who have gone car camping versus wilderness backpacking, you know that your range is a lot different. Uh-huh. So they can explore new terrain. Um, but once they're out there, they start operating in what I call hunter-gatherer mode, meaning without the ideas, the resources, the expertise on their own, they turn outward. Yeah. And they go and search and gather and mobilize back fresh expertise to to you know bring to bear on a problem. Do you think that has anything to do with us cuz we also look at rookies differently. We don't expect as much from the new guy. And and so it's almost like it might be kind of the system of this is not only are they coming with the blank slate but there's this expectation that they're not going to contribute immediately. They've got to get up to speed. Let's at least let them have an office for a minute. Yeah, and, and it's a why sometimes rookies really surprise us, um, not just individuals, but upstart companies. We don't expect much of them. We kind of, their competitors let the guard down, and they can they can sneak up. You yeah. Know? Um, you could get, you know, sort of a case of Greenbelt Syndrome, where the, the karate master is kind of going through the protocols, and, you know, the Greenbelt comes up and punches him in the face. You bet. You know, um, so they can surprise us, but also because we don't expect much from them, yeah. we, we, a mentoring gene kicks in, and experienced people tend to take them under their wing and mentor them. It's why they learn so fast. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I really think it comes down to, um, I mean, if I had to boil all this research down and the book down, you know, I might boil it down to the difference between how we operate with humility and how we operate when we get um, sort of full of hubris. Yeah. Or it's you know, true, huh? When we get comfortable, and it's not that experience in and of itself is a liability. It isn't. No. It's just the byproducts of experience, the hubris, yeah. the comforts. The it's like what happens to you when you lose your job. You're all cocky when you've got your job. You lose your job. That fear kicks in, and and all of a sudden, the little humility kicks in as well, and it changes you. Absolutely. And, you know, we find that, you know, one of the advantages um, of the the rookie is that they don't have the unlearning process that people with experience have. That's right. They can just go pure to learning because they don't have all of the assumptions, the baggage that they've got to let go of. Yeah. Because we don't, you know, we learn fast, but we let go of learning really, really slowly. But and they also step on like the sacred cows, right? So these these rookies all of a sudden will step up and they'll say, "Well, why are we even doing it this way?" And that nobody they don't know that they just touched the third rail of the company. Don't oh, yeah. ever mess with the third rail. But they they really point out obvious flaws. Well, and they're willing to ask the naive questions, and yeah. you know the questions that help a group clarify and simplify. You know they're willing to just ask about the sacred cow, the third rail, and it's not that they themselves bring a brilliant idea. Mm -mm. 
they just open up the discussion. Yeah, they have the eyes to see it. The rest of us are maybe so entrenched in it, we don't have the eyes to see. Or we're not humble enough because we're, our pride is on the line. We're the one yeah. that invented this system. Or we're just willing, you know, we, we don't believe that we can fix it. I mean, think about the problems that we live with. Think about the problems that we live with inside our homes that we convince ourselves, I can't get to this. Um, this has happened to me. This is my third book, and it happens to me with every book. And I work out of my home. I do my research oh, and do you really? out of my home. Yeah. And when I'm in book mode, which is, for me, doing something really hard. Mm-hmm. You know, it's my rookie mode. I'm wrestling down a new topic. Yeah. Like, I have to shut out everything that's, like, in disrepair in my house because I tell myself I can only do one hard thing right now, and I can't, I can't deal with that. But yeah. then suddenly when the hard thing's over, we can see those, those problems again. And a lot of times when we're experienced, when we're accustomed to something, we just block out those problems and we convince ourselves we can't do anything about them. Yep. Um, and a rookie comes along and says, hey, what about this? this is broken. We should fix it. Yeah. Hey, why not use this? We've got a tool here. We have an asset. See, that's, we, we need more rookies in our lives. We need to make sure we have people in our lives, don't we? Just or at least the spirit of rookie that people that dare, I mean, even the naive person that knows nothing about your industry but just dares ask it. Right. Or they just don't know enough to be afraid. And, yeah. You know, one of them, I, I got to study just hundreds of really interesting rookies, and one of my favorites, uh, Ziggy Ansaw out of, out of BYU. Oh, love him, yeah. Yeah. Who, how could you not love him? And I loved just really studying his story. And Now, he's the football player from what country? Ghana. Ghana came to BYU as a track star, I think. Tried to get on in track, didn't he? And then he but he ended up playing football. Yeah, tried basketball. No basketball. <laughs> yeah, coach wasn't seeing it. Tried track, the coach wasn't seeing it. But the track coach walks him down to Coach Mendelhall's office and yeah. says the guy's never played football, never put on pads. I but he's ripped, he's big. He's, he reminds me of myself. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking that too, man. Were, were you noticing that? Yeah. <laughs> And he puts on pads for the first time in 2010, and by 2013, he's, you know, fifth pick of, of the first round of the NFL. And played last night. Detroit played whoever they played. San Francisco, who they played? They played last night. Um, but he, so what did you learn from him? I mean, here, well, this guy walks in knowing nothing, and now all of a sudden he's top five draft pick. You know, and yes, he brought that raw athleticism, but he was so willing. And, you know, I went mm-hmm. in and really looked about how he played, so willing to take feedback. Um, uh, Nate Mickle, um, who's the, one of the, the sideline reporter for BYU, yeah. said, you know, at the beginning of the season, I think it must have been 2012 or 2013 season, he introduces himself to Anson and says, hey, you know, I'm Nate, I'm sideline reporter for the team, I just wanted to let you know, I'm kind of, you know, cheering for you. And Anson says to him, he said, hey, do you have some feedback for me? <sighs> like, How cool is that? Yeah, like, what, what, what do you got for me? Um, you know, like, do you have any advice for me? And Mickle said, you know, in the years I've done this, I've talked to hundreds of players and made that same kind of comment. He said, no one has ever asked me for oh, man. advice. And, and, you know, Anson just, his, um, his teammates at the Detroit Lions said, you know, one of his great advantages is he didn't grow up idolizing yep. pro players. And so he doesn't know to be... Yeah, in awe. In, in awe or intimidated. I mean, and... Um, you know, defensive end Israel Adonahe, he said, you know, he just takes down each left tackle as if they're an anonymous target. 
They're just, he doesn't get caught up in the hype. He he's just doing his job, here. which is get That makes him humble. He's still humble in the NFL. I mean, he, he was a rookie and he's learning, but his whole kind of mentality is just he's a perma rookie. He, he, perma rookie. I love it. You know, he'll be that. I mean, until I guess that once the big money money flows, then you're like, OK. I'm big you know, these, these perma rookies that you mentioned, you know, I looked at the characteristics across them, and what I found is that these people who maintain their rookie smarts, and, and I should say, Matt, this doesn't mean kind of operating perpetually clueless. No. It's just knowing when to draw on your savvy, your wisdom, yeah. your experience, and when to play the role of a rookie. Yep. And what these professionals and these people do is they're, they're intellectually curious, they're humble, Meaning, you know, not a low sense of self, but they're teachable. Mm-hmm. They're playful. They, their work is play. Yeah. Um, they, they find just delight in it. And they're deliberate, meaning they have very deliberate practices for how they maintain this vibrant outlook. It really, oh, it's beautiful, um, the concept, Liz. Let's take a break so we have a little time after to talk to you more. Uh, again, we're talking with Liz Wiseman. And her book, Rookie Smarts, Why Learning Beats Knowing in the Game of Work. Go to her website, rookiesmarts.com, and go take the test. There's the Rookie Smarts quiz on there, and you can find out what zone you're in. Are you in the burnout zone, the comfort zone, the learning zone, or the red line zone? We're going to take a break when we come back. More with Liz Wiseman right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143. BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. First time I ever saw your face, James Birdsall, dedicating this to Malanka, the eight and a half fingers. <laughs> Folks, she's lost a, a digit or two, but uh, he's still in love with her. First time I ever saw her face. Loved her. Roberta Flack. <sighs> James, get a tissue. Wipe the tear. We are back, my friends. Liz Wiseman is on the phone with us. She has got to think we're crazy. But what she doesn't know is we're just trying to, you know, be like rookies and keep it smart. She's the author of the book, Rookie Smarts, Why Learning Beats Knowing in the Game of Work. Uh, you got to go check out her website, rookiesmarts.com. Go take the uh, quiz, the Rookie Smarts quiz, to see if you're in the learning zone or are you in the red line zone, you know, near a stroke. Or are you burnt out, done, exhausted? Awesome information. Liz Wiseman, welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. Well, thank you. I love it. You're rocking the tunes from the 70s. Well, you, you've got – I. you know what? I want you – next time you're at BYU, you come drop in. You tell us you're coming in because I want you on the show again because I want to talk about multipliers. Oh, well, we can talk about it now or I'll come visit you. No, you come visit for sure because we, we only have a few more minutes. But I want you to teach us what else we need to know about maintaining – this mentality of being a perpetual rookie. Mm. You gave us a list. Curious, humble, teachable, playful, deliberate. Yeah, and you know, I found that these perpetual rookies had all of these interesting practices to maintain it. Um, like Bob Hurley, 
who was the founder and CEO of Hurley International, you know, the yeah. skatewear, sportwear. And, and, you know, his whole story building this company is one kind of series of epic rookie moves where he said, I didn't know what I was doing, but that turned out to be an advantage. But what I wanted to know, talking to Bob in my research, is how does he stay there? Yeah. How does he how does he keep his rookie on, so to speak? Well, and especially and he, once you're you've built this thing and now it's an enterprise and it's worth all this money and you'd think you'd almost kind of just get into protection mode instead of curiosity. You know, absolutely. And Bob Bob has this ferocious fear of mediocrity. Oh wow. You know, seeping yeah. into his his company, despite the fact that, you know, it's very successful, um, you know, the company is now part of the Nike mm-hmm. brand of products. Yep. And he said, you know, I have my good days, and I also have my bad days, where I get feeling stuck in a rut, can't see anything fresh, have no new ideas. And I love this story he told me. He said, you know, I remember something I learned on the beach in the 70s. We're kind of rocking the 70s. <laughs> yeah. And he said, I'm down there surfing with this group of kind of elite surfers. You know, Bob's just sort of on the outer edge of uh-huh. this group of surfers. Wanna be. And they get the prime waves, and the lesser waves down on the other side of the pier, these are for the kind of the kids, the <laughs> amateurs. And, and he's out there with this group of elite surfers. Um, his board comes out from under him. He goes swimming after the board under the pier. He goes, and on the other side of the pier in the baby waves, he, you know, maybe mid-sized waves. But Kitty pool. You know, clearly the lesser, the lesser um, surf. He sees Wayne Bartholomew, who is the reigning world champion surfer from Australia, the surfer they called Rabbit. <laughs> and Hurley looks at him and he's like, What are you doing over here? Like, dude, dude, you're a legend. What are you doing here? Like, come surf with us. The waves are like killer, righteous. <laughs> righteous, dude. <laughs> and Bob still talks his way, like, Oh, Liz, I'm stoked <laughs> to see you. you know? and, and Bob, you know, invites him over into this elite group of surfers. And the reigning world champion said, You know, that's kind of you, but uh, this is where I get my energy. I like to surf with the kids. Oh, cool. And Bob remembered that, and he says, you know, when I get stuck, I go surf with the amateurs. And sometimes it's literally he grabs his board, goes down to the beach, and goes to surf, not with the Hurley sponsored surfers, but with the kids. Yeah. And he said, Liz, they renew me. I just find energy in them. And he said, there's days where I don't have time to go down to the beach or the waves aren't righteous, you know. Yeah. And he said, I just walk down the hall, and I spend time with, with newcomers. Um, That's awesome. And picks know, their brain, and hears their ideas. and Yeah, and just to learn from them. But I think what's so interesting about Bob's, I think it's an interesting metaphor to surf with the amateurs. Yeah. And it really has, of course, nothing to do with surfing, but everything to do with vacating the role of leader and and embracing the role of, of follower, of newcomer, of, you know, leaving the certainty of leadership that we aspire to. Mm-hmm. And embracing the vulnerability in followership, in learnership, and, you know, it's letting go of what we know and being taught by someone younger or someone less experienced. Um, you know, for me, sometimes it's just a matter of spending time with, with children and, yeah. you know, my husband and I were the parents of four children, three of whom are teenagers. Which oh wow, yeah, yeah. So you're in the you're in the red line zone. We are in the red line zone, or the burnout zone, depending. <laughs> Sometimes I get this question, like, you know, can you be young and have this sort of veteran attitude? I'm like, oh yeah, that's called teenager. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no experience, but thinking you know everything. <laughs> um, but you know, just letting my children teach me. Um, 
you know, some of the most poignant learning I've done is when I was willing to stop being the leader, stop being the parent, and follow around one of my children, uh, in one case, my three-year-old toddler, and letting him set the pace, yeah. take the lead, and learning to see the world through his eyes and, and rediscovering things I thought I knew, yeah. like the koi fish in this pond in Hawaii. And instead of just passing by, oh, look, you know, pretty fish, and moving on, just kind of getting down at his level and learning something that you think you already know and discovering it again. That's I so find powerful. These little experiences end up renewing us across our life and across our work, but it comes from embracing the follower role as much as we embrace the leader role. And that is such a that is such a beautiful concept. Like to go down and get dirty kind of, you know, get down and get into the business. I was just watching uh, Marriott, Bill Marriott from the Marriott Company. He's like 81 years old, and he still visits 200 of his sites, Marriott Hotel chain, a year. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot. Yeah, it's getting close to where the work is, because that's where right. the work is is where the learning is. That mm-hmm. is where you know action is happening and it, it is kind of surfing with the amateurs and getting our hands dirty. Um, and I think the other thing, Matt, that helps us stay in this rookie state, or if we've kind of lost it and we're stuck in a right kind of how to get our, our, our rookie on again, is, is to remember that although this is a pretty tough place and it can be a grind kind of climbing up a steep learning curve, I think you know, if, the, if there's something I learned in my research, this is it. One is not only is it where we do our best work. Yeah. But two, it's, it's our happy place. It's where we find our greatest satisfaction. Um, we surveyed over like a thousand people asking them, how challenged are you in your work and how satisfied are you? And we found this near perfect linear correlation, meaning when our challenge levels go up in work, in life, in our callings, our satisfaction goes up. Yeah, interesting. Because you and I yeah. know this. We're, yeah. we're built for challenge. Yeah, you're supposed to be stretched, aren't you? Right. It's actually, um, there's this fantastic talk um, from Dallin Oaks, a conference talk from uh, several years ago about, you know, alluding to the fact that perhaps a lack of challenge might be our generation's greatest challenge. Oh, yeah. Like what happens when we don't have hard things in our life? Yeah, then you're going to get fat and happy. Fat and happy, Liz. Liz, we got to wrap it up, but I I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed this. And again, everybody... um, Challenge yourself. Get the rookie on. I love it. Get our rookie on. Go check out Liz's website, thewisemangroup.com uh, or rookiesmarts.com. Two great show or two great websites. And, uh, and again, the book. Good stuff. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to give you more ideas, more tools to continue this uh, thought about staying young in thought and learning. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends. It's my life. It's my life. Sounds like a sounds like a you know teenager. It's my room. I can do what I want to do with my room. Mm-hmm. What do you say, Sean? What do you say to that? 
when the girls are pulling that out? Because they, my... be, they might be listening right now. Do you, do you want my actual answer? Yeah. It's my house. Wow. <laughs> you're mean. Or, well, you're not going anywhere until it is cleaned. You're right. You can choose. You That's can right. Choose. You can choose. You, want, you can choose. How you can you choose want. to clean the room or you can choose to stay in the room as it's a mess and yeah. not do anything and not go anywhere. Yeah. You know what I always say that just gets my kids moving every time? What? I'm calling James. Oh, yeah. Because he's got James. knives. He's got the ninja knives. Works every time. Digitizer. We need a clanking of steel sound. Okay. Put that on your list. Clanking of steel. Hey, that was a great uh, interview with Liz Wiseman. She was awesome. She was awesome. And a BYU Cougar, by the way. Like, she's talking BYU football. Mm-hmm. I mean, that right there perked up a lot Ziggy, of Ziggy, Ziggy. Ziggy's name. By the way, we found out Ziggy and the Detroit Lions lost they did lose to, yesterday to the, the Arizona Cardinals. Cardinals, who are on fuego. Yeah, no kidding. Like, what are they, 9-2 and two or something? 9-1, yeah, actually. 9-1. Not looked- that we were watching, because that would be the Sabbath. Yeah, of course. But ESPN, uh, you know, has updates. For the infidels. On your phone, yeah. Yeah. Hey, here's the deal. Um, I I love what Liz is talking about, and she, she got into some really cool stuff about we have to be challenged, right? We have to have stretch. We have to be stretching ourselves because if not, you get fat and happy. Don't look at my gut, <laughs> James. James is looking at my well, gut. I have a question, though. Yeah. You, you say get, get your rookie on. Yeah, get you, your rookie You were on. saying that. Yeah. Which to me kind of means – well, at times it means you know you you kind of disregard the rules, so to speak, or something. Well, not a real rookie. A real rookie wouldn't disregard a rule. A real rookie is trying to make the team if you're stay on the team. If you see the rookie cops on TV, they disregard the rules all the time. Well, they're – yeah, but they're doing it out of ignorance. Well, that's what I'm saying. Who's probably disregarding more rules might be the veterans. Maybe, but what if, what gonna, what if like, as a veteran you, re, you you see something in front of you and you realize that kind of – you know, you you should go by the by the rules. You shouldn't go and do this, but you, you decide you're going to well, try and do it anyway. Well, then you. By the way, check that out. Then you probably won't be on the team very long. Well, because <laughs> you're a rookie and you're making those mistakes. But if you're successful at it, well, like the Jazz. Did you see what the Jazz do to their rookies? The Jazz basketball they team dress them up. They make them carry um, luggage. Their they can't like have nice bags to carry their personal items. They have to carry them in little like. Cabbage patch. I don't know what the the little pink backpack. The little kid. The little kid uh, suitcase yeah. things. Yeah, so they have to carry little kid like the princess suitcases, suitcases onto these and, nice yeah. jets and into these incredible stadiums. But with a rookie like that, you're going to just be nice and ask questions. But the, here's the research behind it. There's some. Uh, the, it's called flow. It's the psychology of optimal experience. And we actually had this guy on the show, and I think he forgot to call. We couldn't get a hold of him. Remember? His mm-hmm. name was Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. Yeah. Remember him? We had him on the phone. He was going to come do the show. And he he forgot because he had a more interesting challenge apparently. But here's the here's his basic research. He studied thousands of people um, and wanted to see if they were – what made them feel like they were having an optimal experience. Okay. And what he would do is he'd have a pager on him, and when the pager went off, they were supposed to stop and write down whatever they were doing that made them feel optimal. And his goal was to figure out, do people have an optimal life, or do they create it? Do you just happen into optimal living, or do you create it? He found out in his research, you actually can create it under certain conditions. Do you create it because you surround yourself with 
information that says I am living in an optimal life? No, or do you create, or like, do you create it by going after your goals? It's it's basically that. So people that are having an optimal life now, he did research and has ten points. I think sure. there are nine points. But you know, I've read I've read the book. Okay, so I could just cut it down into six. Okay, um, <laughs> so pretentious. So here's the idea. Three keys. And so all of you out there in listener land, one way to get into this rookie mentality so you're, you're t- taking advantage of life, you have, to have a, you have to be challenged. One of the things he found with everybody that is out there feeling optimal is they have challenges. And they find the challenge interesting. So it's not enough to be challenged. You have to find it interesting. Because if you have a challenge that you're not interested in, what happens? You don't, it doesn't feel like a challenge. You it feels like it. an obstacle. You avoid it. Yeah. So if you had a job that doesn't challenge you anymore and it's not interesting mm-hmm. to you, well, how, you're probably going to just slough off and just be a lazy veteran. I feel challenged every day when I go home that's and play right. video games. Okay. Well, that's – okay. Again. You're engaged. That's, that's great. You're engaged, <laughs> engaged in your family. Uh, interesting. Yeah. But see, the interesting challenge for you is not an interesting challenge for your wife. True. That's just uh, that's a challenge. True. No, it's actually, I've, I've been helping my daughter play a video game, actually. Oh, that's good. See, but that's yeah. interesting. It is. And if you don't know how to do it, that's challenging. That's one I've already played. So, I've, but, if you, but if you get really good at it, then you're no longer challenged, so mm-hmm. you're, you'll just find it interesting. Exactly. But, and that's fine, but it may not always lead you to optimal, because you might rather be doing something else that's more interesting or more challenging. Wow. Well, having a family is quite a challenge, I Absolutely. can tell you that. Absolutely. So the research shows the happiest people with optimal life have interesting challenges. Then they have to have a reasonable or productive plan. They have to have a plan for how they're going to deal with their challenge. So if you have an interesting challenge and no plan that do, or a plan that doesn't produce results, you're not going to keep doing it. Hmm. Does that make sense? So, I don't ever think I have a plan though. Well, you probably do. You have a plan. Like if you know you're having dinner tonight, if you okay. actually knew – okay. if you knew you were in charge of making dinner tonight, you probably have a plan in yes. your heart. Yeah. Is it and is that an interesting challenge for you? For me, yeah, to make dinner tonight, uh-huh. sure it would be. And then we have a, luckily we have, I'm not. Then we make a productive plan. Those two things right there make you feel optimal. So to have a challenge that you find interesting with no plan, you feel kind of more hopeless. Like mm-hmm. this is boring. This isn't going to work. So out there in listener land, all you got to make sure you have is a, is an interesting challenge, a productive plan, and then you have to f- have focused action on your plan. Meaning you have to do what your plan says to do. Interesting thing, of all the people he studied, guess which group of all of the people that felt most optimal? You won't believe this group. Um, young women age 13 to 15. No. Okay. That's a negative. That was just a guess. Uh, paraplegics. Really? From Milan, Italy. <laughs> that is a random demographic. Not weird. <laughs> that is. Yeah. Paraplegics. By the way, is that a challenge? Oh, heck Yeah. Is it interesting? Yes. Now, if you didn't want to ever move on in life, that's just a challenge. It's not interesting. But in Milan, I've been, Italy, I've been to Italy too, and believe me, those roads, if you're those living streets, in a wheelchair in in Italy, it is a challenge. It's an interesting challenge. And and if you, some of these people did. By the way, they didn't even want the challenge, right? Right. So a really cool point about optimal living and flow, getting in the state of being, is you don't even have to want the challenge you've been handed. You now have to deal with it. So if your husband left you, that's an interesting challenge. Mm-hmm. When somebody comes and tells me, my life's falling apart, this and this and this in my head, or usually what I say to them is, that sounds like an interesting challenge. Are you challenged? They say yes. Do you find it interesting? Do you want to figure a way out of it? Yes. Let's make a plan that works, and then let's go do it. 
And then if it doesn't work after you've done the plan, we'll come back and we'll tighten the plan to make it more productive. You had examples of these people on Saturday, yeah. actually. Did you hear? I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. Give me one. I don't even remember. I was uh, the, under the, the influence lady, of the lady, coughing medicine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the lady whose son um, killed the Amish yes. kids at, at school. Oh, tragic. Yeah. By the way, is that an interesting challenge? <laughs> How do yeah. you handle your kid? That's dead. How do you how do you deal with the fact? How do you handle the situation? Ten Amish people, exactly. And then in that one, we talked about they all went to their principals. The Amish show up at the funeral of the man who killed their killed kids? their daughters. Yeah, that was an interesting challenge. Productive plan, focused action. Every time we do that, and by the way, in Milan, Italy, apparently the way the healthcare system works. They take care of it. So now you're injured. So let's put you in a program. One of the best programs in Italy is in Milan. So they have a really productive plan and they get to go focus on it because they have the time and the resources to go focus on it, which is why they tend to be in the most optimal state. Hmm. Isn't that cool? So we can get out there, folks. And it's not just enough to be a rookie. Rookies just probably are interested in their challenges. And by the time a lot of us become veterans in our jobs or veterans in the parenting world, we're no longer interested. We want this pain to end. We want you to go to school. Are you still here? Get out of the house. (laughs) Don't make me come down there. (laughs) Good stuff. Clean that room. Good stuff. Uh, James, you're learning? Oh, yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. You feeling it? I'm feeling it. I'm yeah. feeling it. You feeling it's, it? It's good stuff. Feels good. Hey, guess who's in the house? Hadge. Hadge is here. Hadge is here. <laughs> Hadge. Heather Ann Johnson's here. Uh, she loves us to call her Hadge. Uh, if you if you were a part of the '70s, you knew Madge, the palm olive lady. You're soaking in it. <laughs> well, in a few minutes, we're going to start soaking in Hadge. Heather Ann Johnson's going to come and teach us, edify us about our kids. And how to uh, value our kids' opinions, believe it or not. There's so much these little rookies can teach us about our lives and parenting. We'll be back with Hadge right here on the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back. <laughs> Are you kidding me? It's a classic. It's not a classic. It's frozen. It's new. That's not a classic. It was an instant classic. Uh, by the way, James is on the board. Uh, he's debuting his favorite Disney songs from for the, the first time in forever from Frozen. Frozen. Love it. And it couldn't be more fitting because Frozen... Uh, has princesses uh, and and Hadge has five girls or four girls. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Hadge is joining us. Heather Ann Johnson's her name. Uh, changing family dynamics, family life, getting kids moving, having games is her game. By the way, uh, go to her website, familyvolley.com. Heather Ann Johnson. She we we call her Hadge. Uh, it's a term of endearment. It is. I've accepted. I've embraced it because you're soaking in it. There you go. <laughs> soaking in what is the question? For those of okay. you in the '70s, Madge used to just have people stick their hands in a bowl of palm olive. You're soaking and, in it. There it is. 
You're soaking in it. And what we feel like, Hadge, Heather, and Johnson, when you come here, we feel like we're just soaking in your wisdom. Well, again, I've, I've learned to – I'm embracing it. I've accepted it. It's fantastic. By go. the way, your name came up today. Oh, did it? Apparently, you're going to be on a television show, Studio 5, soon. And I will be appearing with you, I just found out. You are. Yes, you are. Uh, but I accepted the challenge huh? to come and play some games before they told me that you would be the one putting the games on. No one else puts the games on. I know. I mean, and I'm rethinking it now because it has taken me months to heal <laughs> from the last little game we played. It is going to be so fun. You're going to love it. It's going to be great. Christmas, it's going to just get you in the spirit of the season. Do I need to stretch out? Uh, sure. No, you don't need to stretch. Oh, pfft. You'll be just fine. You said that last time? Blew a You'll hammy. Blew fine. my hammy. You'll be just fine. Moons <laughs> over my hammy. That's my favorite meal. I'm sorry it's taken you so long to recover. It's fine. But I, I guess I've re-upped. But when we get close, you should tell all your listeners when that's going to be on so they can watch you in case you pull I another will, hammy. I will have it on my website. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. So they can tune in. Um, in fact, I am trying to get the footage from the first time I pulled my hammy sure. and have it destroyed. <laughs> hey, but the rest of it's it's all really good. No, I didn't like it. Yeah. No, you're you're fantastic. All which things is, that can help their family. Which is why we love having you on the show. They can use it as a teaching tool. <laughs> right? Well, yeah. To to remind their kids the importance of staying limber. Stretching. There you go. So that they can always participate in activities. With well, I noticed families. you were just standing there. Well, you were standing there, and I had to. The game was there was a bag in front of me, and I had to bend over without using my hands on one leg. On one leg, right? Are you kidding? And with my mouth, pick up a bag, right? A big brown grocery sack. Yeah. Right. Yeah. A. It's uh, fantastic. The game's so fun. It reminded me of when the Hawaii or the the. Um, Highway Patrol pulled me over. In they had me do the exact same <laughs> little deal. Was the outcome the same? It was better. <laughs> oh, good. It was better. Oh, good. good. But um, I pulled a hammy there, too. That was my second hammy. So so either way. And sadly, I only have two hammies. <laughs> I'm out of hammies. Um, Hadge, you want to teach us about kids because we've been talking about rookies. Right. And by the way, these young kids, they don't come with a manual. They don't come they don't. with a handbook. Wouldn't it be nice, though? I don't know. I, I mean, for your kids specifically, yeah, that'd be I, good. Yeah. You need to know how to do that. I mean, in general, I can think right now of our kids and, you know, the differences, especially as they're getting older. Yeah. You know, when they're younger, there's there's a few more patterns and routines and things. But all of a sudden they get older and they start to have their own opinions Ugh. and they start to have their own thoughts. And yeah. it's like, yeah. You know, if you ignore them, they'll quit talking. They, <laughs> they but will, you got to do it young. But they'll, <laughs> they'll go start talking to somebody else <laughs> true. who will tell See, them lots of yucky I'm stuff, right? I'm such a bad dad. <laughs> Bad dad. Well, here's the interesting thing. We can't possibly grow with our kids, which right. is really what it is, right? It's it's growing up with them yeah. and trying to maybe even be a little bit older. Yeah, be more mature. Yeah, a little bit. But we can't value their opinions and their skills and their thoughts if we don't see them as people first. So it's so hard because there are little – there are little munchkins. They are. And they're little, but just because they're shorter than us, no. right, and don't have quite the experience or wisdom, granted, but they are people. And this is what I mean by that. They have hopes and yeah. dreams and fears and thoughts and, you know, uh, hungers for different things, whether it's, you know, food or to play at a playground. They might be different than us, but they're still the same. They have all those yeah. same things that we do. So true. So we can't possibly parent them in a way that helps them feel loved and accepted and their opinions 
if we don't see them as little as little people. They they are way. human beings. They are, and we have to see that. Yeah. So we have to see them that way first. The next thing we can probably think about when it comes to accepting our children's opinions and their skill level and all of that is that acceptance doesn't mean agreement. That's huge, huh? Because we don't want to accept it. I know. And we get them mixed up sometimes. We think that by accepting their opinion, it means we agree with it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not the case, right? Yeah. I can accept that our you know daughter is angry, but I don't agree with the fact that she hit someone. Yeah. Right? That's not that's okay. Right. You can accept that they want to stay up later. Right. I accept that. I right. understand that. That's And I know that feeling and yeah. I can, you know, understand that. But that doesn't mean that you get to stay up later. Yeah, it's not happening. <laughs> you still have to go to bed right <laughs> so now. So I appreciate right. what you're saying, but <laughs> shut your mouth. Well, go to bed. You or, wouldn't say that. Right. You just you do it. Right. You do it better. You so we're going to we're going to start by accepting and recognizing that it's not the same as agreeing. So we can always accept a feeling always. Yeah. There's no regulations on accepting how someone and feels. And you want them to know that their feelings can be theirs. You can that's, that's how you feel. It's exactly it is what right. it is. And we can do those things by acknowledging it, but we can do it by really paying attention to what's going on. We can do that through a couple of ways. First, it's listening without trying to give advice. Yeah. You know, we're constantly and I find myself doing this. Something will happen in our home and my first thought is to to give advice, to give a suggestion, to tell them about a story when it happened to me when I was 12 too. That's not showing them that no. I'm really listening and accepting. You're just you're just yeah. Right? It, we're we're you're too, going off. Right. It's our agenda right. really. And so we have to let that go. We also have to make sure that when we're trying to listen and accept that we're not responding with any criticism or disapproval. That will immediately stop them from expressing their opinions. Oh, yeah. So I think of our 10-year-old right now. She is not going to keep coming to me with these you know, playground woes that she's having at the moment if I'm constantly saying, don't do that, stop it, or criticizing yeah. her decisions. That's right. There's plenty of time to do that. But in the heat of the moment, especially is not. See, we're so tired. We're so worn out when we're with them. It just seems like that's the easiest thing to do is. Sure. Are you still talking about that? (laughs) Or, hey, this is what I did. Go do it and be done. Yeah. But that's not really hearing them. Mm -hmm. That's not accepting their feelings and working through that. So we want to be, and we talk about this, I feel like each time because it's so valuable, but we've got to be empathetic. Yeah. We've got to take a step back and actually think, what does it feel like to be you? Right. Oh, yeah. And especially once they get to an age where we can remember, you know, we can remember being probably five, six years old. And so take a step back and look at your child first and observe their behavior. Right. Watch what they do with their hands and with their facial expressions and their body language and really just watch with no words. Right. And then after that, you can start to fill in those gaps and start to then really listen to what is being said. Think of that. If you could just think of how they must feel right. in that moment where you embarrassed them right, or well, that moment you critiqued them or did whatever, what are they thinking? That's horrible. It is. And that's what we've got to think through. And we can think through, too, what they must be feeling in the situation. We've all had a bad day on the playground. We yeah. all know what it's like to fail a test. Yeah. I mean – well, Probably. Maybe I mean, you don't. You uh, might not know the test part, but no. You know, if I know I was going to fail it, I don't show up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Why would you take a test? You're going to fail. We. I should have used that. That would have saved technique. me a lot of grief. You end up. Re- you have to make up a lot of classes. <laughs> but man, it would have. But you're a winner. It would have <laughs> total <de-stress> winner. Me. <laughs> yeah. You're always a total winner. winner. But we know that we know happy and sad and angry and frustrated, and we know them as kids and adolescents too. If we will just literally take a split second and see them as a person and say, man. 
what was it like when I was 15 and the girl I liked didn't want to give me the time? Yeah. All of a sudden, we won't be so quick to hit him with all that stuff. That's so true. Because we will put ourselves right back at 15 when the opposite sex didn't like us and we struggled. We'll feel it. Hypothetically. Hypothetically. It never happened to either of us. No, it's weird. It's totally – but I mean, I'm James. (laughs) Right. Happened to you? Oh, he's sad. Oh, Oh, I should have brought that up. It was a touchy subject. Ah, boy. Anyway, he's got that girlfriend. So you're okay now. See, it all works out in the end. She's fantastic. <laughs> You've met her? Uh-huh. Met her the other night. How'd it go, James? Let's just say eight and a half digits. <laughs> That's all I remember. <laughs> She's missing a finger and a half. A finger and a half. He got her those knives, you know. That's true. I'm, I'm sorry to hear about that accident. I was telling him he should have waited till they were married. And then he could have gone ahead. And... He could have married a ten-digit woman. <laughs> Now he's down to eight and a half. That is horrible. <laughs> anyway, sad but okay, true. Okay. So we're thinking about them, right? We're putting ourselves in their position. We're, we're being very empathetic and that's the time when we want to go ahead and respond. We're going to respond by acknowledging their feelings and thoughts. Again, without the criticism. Right. Don't minimize them. So we're not responding to what they should do different yet because we started with wanting to hear their, their opinions they're never going to share with us Mm-mm. if we don't follow this type of pattern, right, yeah. where we listen and we respond by feeling and by listening. Here's the funny thing. The number one thing that gets in the way of parents parenting this way is that we're constantly feeling the need to teach appropriate behaviors and skills. Yeah. The number one thing, just like we've talked about. So that's what keeps us from doing this. This need we have as parents to, I got to teach you. It's my job, but I'm well, too tired. I yeah. got to get it done now. Hurry. And you can't be efficient with this, right? No. But see, that's we're so afraid. Right. Why are we so afraid? Like, if I don't do it right this second and get it done right in this minute, it's not going to happen. Uh-uh. But So we always pick the wrong moment right. to teach. And I think that that fear and also the wrong moment to teach comes really from selfishness, right? For me, it's me thinking, but wait a second. You need help right now, but I have dinner to make and vacuuming Mm -hmm. to do and three other kids right now that need my attention and a husband that will be home in an hour. So it's it's me being selfish instead of getting down on their level and looking at them in their eyes and saying, man – Today was really hard for you. Actually, the laundry never needs me, but your problem needs me. That's right. Well, and all and, of a sudden, we tune in and get it done, and and then make it up. I mean, right. you can. There's always. It's just rearranging chairs. Really, well, we're well, just moving chairs. Yeah, and we know in the long run. I mean, really, is my white load going to remember, or is my son going to remember? That's right. That's and right. and it's really easy. Other things we've oh, got hey, to do. What what's a white load? <laughs> anyway, as in uh, like dark load, colored. Yeah, I, yeah, I, sorry, I get it, I get jargon. It. No, I get. It. I was pretending. <laughs> I was pretending like I don't understand it. Uh, we're talking golf, right? Um, Hadge, we got to take a break. Okay, let's come back. You, by the way, plethora of information. We got plenty. But what's so cool is we anything you're missing, go to the website familyvolley.com or tweet her at pen and paper girl. Yeah. We'll figure out what that means later. Um, she's also got the book, Fun Family, Family Fun Fridays. She's got it all. More with Heather Ann Johnson when we come back. This is the Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show in the house. Hadge, a.k.a. Heather Ann Johnson. We're soaking in it. <laughs> Just a little tribute to Madge from the 70s. There we go. Heather Ann is teaching us about our children and how we can actually learn from our kids and 
create a relationship. I mean, really, it's kind of just being dynamic with them. Right. Let them influence us as parents and then it's just it's just really a healthier way to relate instead of the mandate. Sure. Well, and and hearing that there are people with opinions and skills that might be different or the same. Accepting and needs them. at different times. Absolutely. And every child's different. I don't know if you've noticed that. Yeah, no. It only took us five to figure it no. out. But no. By my fifth one, I'm like, hey, these guys are different. <laughs> hey, man, you are giving me trouble. Your <laughs> sister never gave me. It's right. It's true. And so we want to value their opinions. We want to see them as people. So two other points before we kind of move on to helping them try new things. Mm-hmm. We really have to adjust our own expectations. And my husband and I are going through this with our son right now. You know, we grew up, for example, playing a lot of sports. My husband grew up the same way. And we have our son who is very athletic, but it's not his favorite thing. Yeah. The hard part is not the fact that he's talented in so many areas. The hard part is, in my mind, the agenda for his life looked a certain way. Yeah. And now he's challenging it because, heaven forbid, he's his own person with his own options and his own or opinions and skills. Like, what if he's a singer? It's gasp. What if he's? It's exactly right. What if he's like? What if he's just smart? Sure, and wants to just do different things. And so we have to adjust those expectations or that life plan. You know, we really do. We grow up and we have children seeing that they'll follow in our footsteps in Mm -hmm. certain ways, and they'll make us look good. Certain ways, right? We have this ideal of what we should be. Yeah, our kids should be active, right? And the type of parents we should be. Whether it's a you know, I'm a baseball mom, or Mm -hmm. I'm a this mom, or I'm an opera, what you know, drama, whatever it might Mm be. And so when they challenge those, we tend to immediately shut them down, which means we're not open to hearing any opinions mm-hmm. or honoring any skills in other areas that might, they might have. So we have to let go of those expectations. Yeah. Now, that is not saying that we then encourage them to stray outside our family belief system. That's right. not what we're promoting. That's different, yeah. But it is recognizing that we have this belief system. Almost think of it as you know a, a road, and it's as narrow, as broad as your family feels comfortable with. And they need to stay in that. And if it means they bounce around from side to side opposed to going right down sure. the same path oh, you yeah. took, we're okay. They're still in those Some of guidelines. mine stop in the middle of the road. Sure. <laughs> Turn and, around. And they get out and do the little fire drill. And then they right. <laughs> and they drive around and they drive on the road. They do all these things. Right. But eventually they get to the same place. Sure, yeah. sure. And they just take different routes. Yeah. And it might even be in the same categories. For example, you know, as I mentioned, our son, he's not necessarily pursuing the same sports that my husband and I did. But you know what? He is a phenomenal swimmer. Yeah. And so we had to adjust and we had to take a step back and say, okay, well, we know nothing about swimming we need instead of shutting him down and saying no that's not something because we didn't do it right we had to go learn a lot about that's swimming right. really really fast yeah, wouldn't you rather wouldn't you rather wear baseball right you know cleats instead cleats, of those yeah. get a minute instead of those paddles take yeah. those things off and let's go back to the field they're motivated so if you go with where they are you're going to already be in their motivation right what if they're what if they're bringing up something that you don't think is going to stick like i wanted to be a drummer sure so <laughs> I'm not a drummer boy. And <laughs> at Christmas you could be though. Uh, yeah, yeah, not even then really. There's an ode to you. You have to have song. rhythm. So this is where we're really conscious about accepting their dreams yeah. and letting them run with them. Think about it. Even and I'm sure your, you know, family did. If they support you in becoming a drummer, the worst that happens is even if you don't become that, you learned a lot of great skills right. along the way. Plus and you got so, a drum set. Right, you did. And that's just cool. That could be college friends. Right. <laughs> or girls. That's right. That's exactly Either way you were set. So we don't want to shut down the dreams. Always let your children dream. Always. That's cool. Now, there are realistic situations. We know about them. We're adults. We can see, hey, you're never going to make it. Yeah. But what does telling them that do? Nothing. It just crushes them. So let them – encourage right. them. 
Let them run with it. The worst that happens is like that saying, what is it? Shoot for the moon. The worst that happens is you fall among the stars. That's right. That's right. And even if you get halfway there, it's it's better than not going right. at all. Plus, cool. if we're back to opinions from our children by shutting them down and shutting their dreams down, they're not going to share anything with us. Well, and right? the last thing you need is a kid without a dream. Right. Because what do we live for? We have them. No, totally. They might not be you know, no. going to the moon. They might be smart. I'd be singing with Madonna on stage. When that happens, we'll put it. We need to hear that. (laughs) That's James's. So what if we want to get them to try new things, Mm -hmm. right? Because we do. Anything. We need them to do that. We're back to us, which is being really open-minded. And this is what I mean by that. We have to put forth some effort. With our son in swimming, it takes me driving him to a pool that's a little farther than the baseball field. It means I'm willing to go back and my husband's willing to go back and learn about a sport yeah. You know, it means if you've ever been to a swim meet that you sit there for a really, really, really long that's time. Right. That's right. There are a lot of shorter activities oh, yeah. that he could do than that. Well, it also means all you've got to buy is a towel. Right. <laughs> that's true. That's and, true. Oh, and a Speedo. That's true. Yeah. They, we have to replace quite frequently because it wears out, but still it's different. They than wear out their Speedo. The chlorine eats them right away. <sighs> Didn't think of that. I know. And who want, I mean, who wants a gap in one of them? No. It's just no. not okay. Just, it's true. Just the drag that would cause. It's true. It would slow you down. So remember, and we've talked about this before, but parents who are active are more likely to have kids who are active. That's right. And and parents who are inactive, and let's talk about specific activities. If there are things that you're against, your children are most likely raised that way. Yeah. And the same with the things that you love. Picky parent eaters. Right. That sounds – It's true. So if you're a picky eater, your kids will be picky. It's exactly right. Or, you know, like in our home, like I've mentioned with you before, we didn't ride motorcycles. They were unsafe. You're an anti-motorcyclist. Yeah. But they were unsafe. And so that is not something that I wake up and say, hey, to our kids. Grab your helmet. You want to pick this up, right? Right. But at the same time, if it's not against a value system and it still stays, again, on our road to success mm-hmm. or on our oh, family's road. Oh, it's not going to kill you. Well, and that might, but that's another <laughs> Yeah. That's another but, I mean, that's, you know, that's, right? there's research. Then we, have, <laughs> then we have to be willing to put forth the effort it takes as parents to, to let them try, right? To let them try. So it comes back to us first. Yeah. The next one, like you talked about, is exposure and it is everything. Yeah. Expose them to, to things. They don't have to eat the whole plate of snails, but they've got to try one. Everybody's got to try a snail. They, you just have to try yeah. one. They don't have to jump off the high dive every summer, but you've got to try it once. Yeah. The hard part, or I guess the easy part, either way you look at it, we've had the experiences and we know. We know the snail's not going to kill you and it's just going to probably taste like garlic and some cheese, yeah. right? And we know that that diving board isn't going to be the end of you because there's water. It's all going to be That's okay. Right. So this is when we use our parental you know, judgment and say, I've had these experiences. You need to try it because without it, you don't have these experiences. That's so true. Oftentimes parents just back – it's like, oh, if you just barely you know, drag your toe, that's it. I'm done. You, yeah. you dictate. They're not in They're charge, not, no. right? And they but don't if, have the life experience to, to know those things all the time. If, the, if you as a mom three times while you're swimming, you run and jump and go do the high dive sure. and have it – that's how you – that's the only way you'll enter the pool. Right. Your kids will be following you. Absolutely. And Everyone will be doing it eventually. It's true. It's the norm. And if we listen to their opinion in all the other areas of life – then when we say just once, trust yeah. me and try once, they're going to be so much more likely to try those new things so good, yeah. because we honored them everywhere else, right? So that's they right. Re- they know that they're heard and respected. That's right. So that's really important here. Another thing is we want to have these experiences together. The last thing we want is for our children to experience all these and try all these new things with their buddies, yeah. with their friends no. or away. 
Try hey, dude, it. Right. come try the high dive. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, but, yeah, that's the metaphor. But, but wouldn't it be better if we taught them what it was like so that yeah. when they got involved with their friends, they'd already had enough of the experiences to know how to make right decisions, so right? The rights and the wrongs. And that comes from us being willing, again, to put forth the energy and effort to help them try new things. We've got to yeah. be right there. We've got to encourage those. We those get, we're in such routines, aren't we? <clears throat> we are in routines. And it's just – I guess that's easier. Oh, no, we're doing, we're doing mac and cheese. Right. We got some hot dogs in right. it. We're going to get crazy tonight. <laughs> and we have to We have to think through. We are, we are raising them to be successful forever. That's right. They have to have their own families and their own children and their own jobs and their own situations. And if we're not in tune to what they might need now to prepare them for that – we really do them a disservice. That's right. Without oh yeah, you, yeah, back. you've yeah, weak. we hurt them right yeah. by doing that. And then you're the adult that looks back and you know curses your parents because why did you do this? To <laughs> why me? didn't you? Why let didn't me you spread teach my me? Weeds. Sure, and right. do those things. And really, the goal behind trying new things is to increase a child's self-efficacy. Now, fancy word, but self-efficacy is our perception of our ability to accomplish something. It's how we feel we are at something. Yeah our ability to do something. And so what we want to do is raise children who have a really high self-efficacy. Which seems like you'd have to push through a lot of things right. to show that, okay, I'm not good at that, but I tried it. Right. And, and I could get good at it, but I don't want to. And it's okay, yeah. right? And because okay. we have a belief in ourselves. Now, what happens is our self-efficacy is our perception, mm -hmm. right? It doesn't have to be reality. In fact, we all, I always joke in class with my students when we talk about this. If you've ever seen American Idol, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. Their self-efficacy is oh. really, really high. Well, so, yeah. But their actual skill during those first couple shows Way low. is really, really low. But by the way, it makes great TV. It, it does make great TV. <laughs> and I've never seen a full episode, but I have seen some of those first shows oh, yeah. when they try out. And it's pretty funny to see. The amazing thing is, though, that because they have high self-efficacy, their skills actually do raise a little bit. Right? Yeah. That determines oh, yeah. our performance. You mix those Well, you get out there together. and they're just selling it. Yeah. They are selling it. But is Even, that a good thing for us to do as parents? Like like some of, some of these kids that are failing miserably right. and are now on the blooper reel right. of American Idol, that you could tell their mama was behind them like, right. oh, honey, nobody sings <laughs> it's like true. you. It's true. We don't want to ever lie to them. Okay, yeah. We never, ever want to so lie, lie or mislead. This is where it comes to the effort and the skill. Always, always support and talk about the effort and their skill there that they're putting in. And then you never actually have to say you're the best or you're fantastic yeah. or you're going to make it Well, because it right? seems like if you get ripped by the judges, the first one you're going to look to is your mom and you're like, you're right. dead. You, you told you me to liar. do this. You liar. You lied. You've lied to me. Yeah. So go back to the effort and the skill. That's always what we're talking about when it comes to our kids. And this is the verbal feedback that we can give them. And this is really key to increasing a child or an individual's self-efficacy is addressing verbally the effort and the skill that they're either putting forth or that they need to put forth. Yeah, yeah. And the more specific we can get, the better. So just telling a child, hey, that's not good enough. Yeah, no. They or, need information. Right, direct. Or even just saying, hey, that's good. What? What's good? Was my grip really good when I was, you know, using my driver? playing? Right. Golf? What was really that's good? Great. Be very, very specific. The other thing to increase self-efficacy is we have to address our children's physiological state. And those are the feelings that they have mm -hmm. inside. They don't have enough experience usually and even into the teenagers to know really what they're feeling. And this one for us, we, we really learned this with our daughter. She was about six and she was getting ready to do a ropes course. It was yeah, a high oh, ropes yeah. course. And she looked at me. There was just terror. And she wouldn't put the harness on and she didn't want to participate. And all she could tell me was that her hands were really sweaty 
And she said, and my heart, it just feels like it's going to jump out of my chest. And wow. she said her stomach, and she just described all those feelings. Yeah. That, by the way, that to James is love. That, <laughs> so your, your daughter's in love. There you go. At six. At six. At the ropes course, right? Weird. Here in town. That's love. So when she described it, I was able to look at her and say, what you're feeling is fear. That's great. And all of a sudden she went, oh, that's – That's fear. That's fear. Oh, you mean when my stomach does this and Sweaty my hands palms, do this? She didn't even know that she, one. She didn't really recognize what was happening simply because in six years, you know, we hadn't really put her in a lot of experiences yeah. where she was yeah, scared. She, her death wasn't – it, or her <laughs> life wasn't at no, risk. No, we kind of avoid those things. Yeah, that's you know, good mothering. Only for six years and <laughs> then right. after that we throw after everything After six. Out. It's all over. <laughs> You're on your own. <laughs> but once we addressed that, I said, OK, this is fear. What are you scared of? And she looked me right in the eye and she said, I'm afraid I'm going to fall off and crack my head open. That was her fear. Wow. I'm going to die. It was, I'm going to break my head open and die. And so we were able to explain to her, this is a harness connected to a rope, connected to this. There is no possible way that those fears could come true. That's right. Once we addressed those physiological feelings, that state she was in, she put that harness on, she jumped up on that balance beam and away she went. Wow. So with our kids, if we want them to try new things, we have to recognize that usually what is holding them back are these feelings that they don't even know what to do with yet. And you're just saying process them, find out the feeling and then work on solving the feeling issue. Right. What's going on? There's a story behind it. So they've got to learn what those are and they need our experience to get there. Because like I said, at six, she doesn't have a lot of fear (laughs) that she's had to deal with and process. So we break it down. And the great thing is when we do it that way, the next time she feels fear because the stomach and the head is pounding and the chest and the sweaty hands, she goes, oh. This is what I feel like when I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. Or she, love. Or in love. Or in love, right? And then she can think back and say, okay, is it love or fear? <laughs> this time it's fear. But what she, do I do with it? Well, what else is cool is she, you were there. Right. You were there helping them through fear. Sure. Instead of saying, oh, we already paid for you. Right. Get up there. Get over and it. And risk your life. Right. And don't crack your head right. open. Or when we compare and we say, hey, look, your brother, he's already gone yeah. two passes. Get yeah. up there with him and get Are you moving. a wuss? Don't be a wuss. Right. Oh, uh, we make it a competition. We we do. We mess it up. We, we do. And if we think back, why are we doing it? It's, again, because we're usually in a rush or we have our own agenda yeah. instead of thinking. And we're not saying we're going to be perfect every time. No. But even just by being mindful once makes it easy to, easier to be mindful the second time. Man. When we're dealing with our kids. We and want them to try new things. If they have a question, if any of the listeners have a question, they'll call you and you'll walk them through it real Absolutely. time. Email, let's, let's do email. Email me and we'll walk you through it. Let's just give them both. Okay. <laughs> just throw it out there. It's no big deal. <laughs> but all they have to do is go to familyvolley.com and they can email you from that website, right? I, they can. And I get questions all the time. How do I handle this? What do I do with well, that? Well, and you, if you I'll could just you. teach us more what's fear and love and how they're the same thing. Next next show, let's do that. Hadge, you're the best. Difference between fear and love. <laughs> Maybe we could have James on as a, as a special guest. Well, let's do it. There you go. Let's do it. You could bring your girlfriend. Ah, that'd be great. I'm playing. It's because he calls me Hadge, James. I'm sorry. I'm playing right into <laughs> I it. I met her. She's fantastic. Seriously. You, you didn't expect anything different from James. Not at you? all. Not at all. We were all shocked. <laughs> In a good way. In a good way. It was a good shock. It was I'm like, not shocked, James. Wow. James, he's great. <laughs> We're going to take a break uh, and wrap this bad boy up. Are you going to stick with us, Hatch? Yep, I'll stay here. Heather Ann Johnson's going to stick through it. Uh, here we go, trying new things with Maddie when we come back. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, folks. 
that's the wrap-up music right there, which means we got to get out of here. Uh, in the house, Heather Ann Johnson. She's sticking around. Hadge, we've been soaking in it for about 30 minutes. <laughs> Paul Mollive. You have done a really good job tying that all back in. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, I'll, I'll just keep embracing it. But I, just get better. The thing about it, every time you leave, I'm still thinking about it. There you go. So we've, we've done our job. Mm. Still soaking in it. It's like a really good meal that you can just taste. taste. I mean that in the best way possible. There we go. That sounds negative. It it did, but it's okay. No, I mean it in the best way possible. In the house, Maddie Richard. How are you, Maddie? Hello. I'm good. How are you? um, You've been listening to the show? Yes. With enthusiasm. Wow. And that answer was It's been amazing. Has it? Have you loved it? Yeah. I think it's it's an awesome idea of not being afraid of things, and I like that. Um, What's the hardest thing you've tried before? The hardest thing I've ever tried. Yeah, um, it was canyoneering in the Swiss Alps. Braggard. That sounds. Yeah. You hear that? That sounds no, like a good thing No, but it was really try. scary putting on the wetsuit and jumping off cliffs and <gasps> That'd stuff. Be scary. It was crazy. That is so scary. fun, though. That's scary. But nobody needs to go do that today, so no. that's okay. So, what are we going to talk about? So, I have a list. Now, since we've been trying about talking about trying new things yeah. and being good at new things that you weren't sure you'd be good at. Yeah. I have a list of some really easy things that people can do today, today to try something new. Just get out, try this new thing. Get out of their routine. Get get into some new situations, some new experiences. This is excellent. Uh, and let's challenge each other. Let's have choose one. Had you choose one? Okay. The first one is try the Glockenspiel, which is what? No, it's that's not it. Okay, but that was close. Okay, go ahead, Maddie. So the first one is going to be volunteer with a local nature conservation society and plant some trees. So get involved with your local community. <laughs> Do you want and one? work on? <laughs> <laughs> we should have done this a month ago. <laughs> no, but you can yeah. still get involved with yeah. your with a Raise wildlife money, resource yeah. and get involved with getting your community cool to be prettier. It's a cool idea. Next one is make a photo album of a recent vacation. Now, people always upload these onto their blog, onto mm-hmm. their computer, but go back and make, go to the craft an store album. and make an, a photo a album, scrapbook. a scrapbook cool. of a recent vacation or trip or event that you had and to actually what? have that physical evidence and then, and then, and then show it to your family. Cool. You know, be the one that pulls out the scrapbook. Nobody does that anymore. They no. just say, oh, check out my oh, blog no. when you have a chance. No, but pull out a good yeah. old-fashioned scrapbook. That's cool. All right, the next one. Try a new cuisine, French, Lebanese, or Korean. <sighs> Those are tricky ones. Or Those try them all together. Ones. Yeah, mix just them all, you all together go to the and food have court. Sloop, soup or something. Ooh. I did Ethiopian ones. Oh, How Ethiopian. Was that? I love Ethiopian food. I had an Ethiopian cab driver in Seattle. Did you? We've, I've had that too in Washington, D.C. Mm. But I was there and I tried Ethiopian. Was it good? Not so much. Not was it more? It was a little slimy for me. It was a little what? Slimy. Slimy. Wet. There was everything was really wet. Well, <laughs> and runny. Okay. It, and and we had to use our hands. Mm-hmm. So everything was hands. Mm-hmm. If it was runny and wet, you still used your hands. So when we were done, sloppy. It was a little sloppy for me. Mm. But you, I you could, wouldn't. I could go think Korean. The Ethiopians. Yeah, would Korean. Eat like I love yeah. Korean food. I could. I can do Korean. Korean I've never food. had Korean food. There's a really good Korean place right here in Provo. Yeah, you can couple. go try. Mm. Yeah. There I'm you go. Hungry. Okay, I'm going right, to do that one. Next one. Learn 10 phrases in a new language. So just learn how to say some basic phrases in a language that you might not know. Okay. Demat. I'm trying to think of a phrase. You know Spanish, don't you? I know Spanish. I know French. 
I know some English, and I know Latin. Wow, all of Latin. You know four, what? What's four it's languages? kind of a dead language. Latin You're not trilingual is, Latin's a hard language. Quadlingual? It's, kind of, it's as a dead language. It's just hard to bring up in certain circles. Probably hard to practice with <laughs> yeah. real people. I mean, who's going to talk to you? That's <laughs> true. Not us. No. I want to learn Navajo just because nobody oh, speaks Navajo. That's good. That's a cool. hard one. All right. Okay, I'm doing. I'm doing. Okay, keep going. How many? You can't do all of these. No, I've, got, I've already got mine. Okay, good, good. So watch a classic film like Casablanca, The Godfather, or The Wizard of Oz. One of those films that you've, you've heard about a million times yeah. but maybe haven't seen. Yeah. So pick one of those. And put it on. An old classic. Yeah, an old classic that everyone talks about but that you've never seen. That's cool. All right. The next one is try a new form of exercise, maybe Pilates or tennis (laughs) or swimming. (laughs) Matt, you don't even exercise. This is perfect for you. Yeah. If I do Pilates, I will be dead. You won't pull your hammy in two weeks when you have to do games on television. Don't be rude. Matt, you should do Zumba. I (laughs) did Zumba. You'd be great at Zumba. I did Zumba. Really? How'd it go? It hurt like a mother. <laughs> Zumba I is I pulled intense. my Zoom, and it was bad. I can't do Zumba again. But Pilates, maybe. Yeah. You could do Pilates. Isn't Pilates, Pilates, you just lay down, and they just, and you just pull cords. <laughs> that's exactly you what it is. You just pull cords, right? Not quite, but that's that's okay. I'll forgive you for not knowing what Pilates stretching is. And yeah. It's you a lot of stretching, that. and it, it ends up being pretty intensive if you if you do it. I like, I like aerobic Pilates. Really? I like to get my heart rate up. There you go. That's a good one. Pull those cords really, really, really fast. Yes. (laughs) Use a shake weight or something. Give me one more. All right. The last one. Be a tourist in your own city and visit all the popular tourist sites that you've probably never seen. Love that. Carry a fanny pack and a camera. Yeah. Dress the part. Bring your camera. Be a tourist. Because everyone, you know, I know New Yorkers who've never been to the Statue of Liberty because they live in New York. So go find a spot in your city that's super tourist spot, but that you've never been to and go check it out. Maddie, you're good. You're Those good. Are good ones. Okay, what are you gonna do, Hadge? I don't know. I'm torn between the Korean. I'm torn between the Korean food and the tourist. Really? In your own city. I am actually going to dress like a tourist. Okay. Have Korean food while watching Casablanca. There you go. Good job. I've never seen. I I don't think I've seen Casablanca start to finish. So I, maybe oh. should I should entertain Casablanca that one too. is so good. I know. You're missing out. And I'd say, what was the other one you said? The Godfather and the Wizard of Oz. Oh, Wizard Ooh, of Oz. Godfather. But that would scare our kids. <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, good job, everybody. Great show, Hadge. Thanks for coming here. Heather Ann Johnson. Go check out her website, familyvolley.com. Here's the quote. If it scares you, it might be a good thing to try. Seth Godin said that. We, uh, you know, we got a lot of good stuff coming up. Great show tomorrow, folks. Join us again. More fun, more ideas to help you uh, find the good in life. Hope to see you tomorrow.